Um, yeah, so in my closet, I have a uh, Rotocrap. Uh, Welcome to Please Don't Fire Us. <laughs> uh, Rotocaster Pro, which is like this thing that was marketed towards podcasters. So it's like supposed to be a, it's like a poor man's equivalent of like thousands of dollars equi- of equipment in like a, like a $400, $500 soundboard where like you have all these ways to adjust different levels and you have like a little soundboard where you can put like sound bites and stuff and it's like all these cool things you can do. <laughs> the thing is such a piece of shit. Yeah. Like we tried to record an episode, it just gets zeroed out. Like, yeah. Uh, it did software, this, the software's bad. The software is really bad. Um, I keep trying to figure out how to update the firmware. It's like impossible. And 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 um, like we recorded an episode where we filled up the disc. Is We didn't even fill up the disc. We filled up the file size, right? But instead of like opening up a new file or simply stopping, it just zeroed everything out oh this is like great corrupt the file yeah, yeah yeah and like the beauty of the f4 is you have the um we're not using it because we're dumbasses but you have the extra uh, sd card slot so you could have like backup in case something gets fucked up oh. and like it's just this is such a simpler device with such better sound quality the rotocaster is this like fancy thing with all the bells and whistles and it we don't need sucks. those bells and whistles yeah we really don't software also, is much more about whether it works correctly than it is about the features it has yep Yep. Well, I mean, what do they say? Uh, Feature is just a bug with a tuxedo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a feature, not a bug. I don't know. Somebody probably said that. Also, imagine a little bug in a tuxedo. So this is a very, this is a very, yeah, imagine a little bug with a tuxedo. A little little bug. It's really cute, isn't it? It's cute. It's cute. Almost as cute as you. Anyway, Uh welcome to Please Don't Fire Us. This is a podcast where we have a lot of conversations about tech. Is that what we do? No, we don't. No, yeah, people keep yeah. asking me what we do. Uh, I bumped into another coworker actually on the way uh, up the elevator yesterday, and um, I told her that you guys were coming by, um, and she's like, "Oh, that's so cool! Like, what's your podcast?" I was like, "I probably shouldn't even be telling you about this." She's like, "Why is it NSFW?" I'm like, "Kind of." I'm like, "Maybe." She said NSFW. She's like 23. Okay. So, like, come on. Um, not safe for work. But, but 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 you know it isn't safe for work. But I'm just like I it's I, not, f- it's I fail to explain why it's not safe for work. I mean, let's see. I talk about you know politics uh, and also sucking my own dick. There was an episode where we talked about that um, <laughs> uh, and uh, and drugs and um, stuff like that. So uh, I don't know. How could you sum this thing up? Really, it's like a dumpster fire, but you're like watching it burn. Mm. Anyway, that's um, accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're like, I want this warm glow. It's cold out. Yeah. Um, so I realized we forgot yeah. to do the part where we actually establish what we do and do not talk about on the podcast. And we already started recording and I'm incapable of editing anything. So we're, oh, yeah. we're already in too so, deep. So uh, oh, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, editing. Um, but, but, but yeah, I, I look, I feel like, look, obviously we're not going to talk about work, but I do feel like I want to introduce you as my coworker. Um, because I feel like that's a relevant piece of information. Okay. Well, um, it seems a little scary to talk about it that way, but sure. It is. It's scary. This is a scary thing to do, but sometimes you got to dive headfirst into, um, you know, you just got to go. You just got to <laughs> go for it. Look, that is how it's been so far. Yeah. You know, you know, my hope is, though, that a lot of your coworkers have vaguely, and I'm saying this just as like the fact that like you, when you listen to an audio medium, you sometimes can't tell people's voices apart. You're people who Nate has a very distinct <laughs> voice. I feel. I think with the audio medium, it, it's harder to distinct when you don't see the person like physically I in front suppose. of you. So I was, what I'm saying is, we've had a lot of James's uh, coworkers uh, on, and I feel like no one will know who, what, any, like, you know, a is that lot. Th- we've not. We we haven't actually we've had a couple. There was one, and we couldn't release the episode. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so that's none really, I guess. 
Uh, Not on the record, uh, yeah, as it were. That's that's none. And, Look, and that was a whole other thing. The second but, you step through the door, you already establish yourself as someone who is much better off in this podcast. Oh well, okay. Yeah. yeah, but but look look. So here's the thing: is that um, right? Uh, I mean, the things we say on here is really not that much crazier or worse than anything we say like pretty much every day. James, uh, well, man. yeah, the things we say every day don't get recorded. That's a big. I, part I know of that what is happens. the big difference, isn't it? Yeah, James, I feel, yeah. Like, I feel like we're spending too much time talking about what our podcast is about. <laughs> we need to get into we're it. Being, we're being too meta right now. I think we get meta every episode. It's kind of adorable. We get more and more increasingly meta. Yeah. Until we're the only ones listening to the podcast. <laughs> um, so, yeah, anyway, uh, Nate is my coworker. That's all I'll say. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, let's... Uh, well, let's we get... pushed record because we were starting to talk about something you wanted to have on the podcast. Which That's is true. The uh, blog I follow. Right, the blog Thank you follow. Tell you us for... about the blog you follow. Thank you so much for keeping us on board. Yeah, keeping on the rails, because <laughs> really, this really is, is way like, off the rails. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm mm. not a, a drunk enough yet. Mm. Oh, mm. true, true. Catch up, catch up. <laughs> okay, this is why yeah, you need a martini and not a beer. Oh, I, uh, beers and ciders keep me hydrated. Yeah, we're recording. Fair. We're recording this on a Martin Luther King uh, weekend, and uh, so people drink on Sundays. Oh, because Sunday's tomorrow, I guess. I, I drink on Sundays Today's anyway. Sunday. Sometimes. Today, oh, James. yeah, me too. I don't. <laughs> James, I don't really get this. James, 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 James. Ah, T- today's Sunday, Alex. Today's Sunday, Alex. You said tomorrow's Sunday. No, I'm saying tomorrow's Sunday, like in a in a. Oh. What? Tomorrow's the actual like, Sunday when you yes. have to not drink. Oh, Nate, I, Nate, but I drink oh, on Sundays anyway. Sunday. So yeah, I Nate understands say. what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know yeah. what? Maybe I'm going to get rid of you. <laughs> and, <know>. Okay. <laughs> but I thought the fact that we don't get each other is like kind of a little cool thing about this whole podcast. Oh, it's okay, just what I've been meta. telling you this whole time. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, what were you talking about? About the blog, <laughs> okay, <laughs> that Nate wants to tell us about. So. Oh, now you're passing the buck on to, to Nate. Well, it's the blog that he wants to talk okay. about. So Nate, say everything. Okay. Well, it, yeah, we, it's the one we were mentioning because it's where I had heard of ContraPoints from mm. this blog. Gotcha. That's why we mentioned it. And so in any case, uh, back when I lived in California, I started to become interested in the new atheist movement back before it was a train wreck. <laughs> and uh, the two primary people that I was interested in in that movement were uh, Dan Dennett and P.Z. Myers. And P.Z. Myers at the Love time had a... Yeah, it's a great name. That's amazing <laughs> P.Z. P.Z. Myers, um, yeah. So he, at the time, was on a different blog site, and now he runs his own blog site that, mm-hmm. like, other people who uh, like him and are in his circle blog there, too. And uh, any, anyway, so it's been called Pharyngula for a long time, which is some kind of biology term. <laughs> the guy's a biology professor... Mm-hmm. Uh, professor of evolutionary biology. And he talks yeah. about um, biology in the blog. He talks about the research he does, which used to be on um, tiny squid. And so all huh. of his iconography is all squid-oriented for a long time. But then most recently, he started doing spider embryo research instead. So now he has lots of spiders and spider babies and spider photos. And So are you saying, like, did Jordan Peterson, like, watch this guy and was like, you know what, I'm going to do this with, like, the same thing, but instead of squids, I'll do it with lobsters. <laughs> well, that's a funny way of putting it. Uh, I have no idea how much research Jordan Peterson has actually done on lobsters. Yeah, or maybe he just solid, like has this ob- solid point. obsession as a psychology professor. But in any case, PZ is like an actual biologist biologist. And he mm. made his fame 
originally by doing the circle of debating with creationists. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, he hasn't done it for a long time because he ended up souring on the idea of the debate format and how you're just platforming idiots and so forth. Mm. Wow. Um, and so he doesn't do debates anymore. Right, yeah. Um, but he, um, his blog has a good variety of stuff on it. And uh, ContraPoints is one of the uh, places he links to and so mm. forth sometimes. What, uh, what is the name of the blog so that we can... Oh, uh, Ferengi. If you type Ferengi oh, into right. Google, you'll just straight up get it. Ferengi, um, like I can Myers spell. Also. <laughs> uh, Ferengi. Well, uh, whoop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you. I gotta hold my microphone here. Um, it starts with a PH, but it might autocorrect oh. you. <laughs> oh, Ferengula. Ferengula. Look at that word. That does not spell it at all how I thought. <laughs> um, so that's well, biology stuff. Out for P-H-A-R-Y-N-G-U-L-A. You, right? Or, but just Google PZ Myers. I mean, like. Okay. He, well, so part of the reason he's famous is because um, of the train wreck of new atheism. He was like intimately involved mm. in it. Uh, can, can you, he was, what like, did he do to contribute to the downfall? Well, 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 I also want to know, like, what do you define as new atheism? Well, yeah. okay, so back then, new atheism was this sort of four horsemen video stuff. If you if you put the four horsemen into YouTube, you get a video of um, Dan Dennett and. Um, PZY. Who else? Dickens. Uh, uh, Dickens. Dickens. <laughs> uh, 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 the British. The British guy. That's uh, really Dawkins. Dawkins. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Richard Dawkins. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, uh, Sam Harris, who is went in a different direction than PZ Myers in the mm. in the explosion, and um, uh, fourth person who's not PZ Myers. Uh, Hitchens was still alive, I mm. think, actually. Yes. And it was Hitchens that was the fourth. Horsemen of the Apocalypse <laughs> in this video where they were basically just making atheism look cool and intellectual. Okay. Um, and yeah. so new atheism was this idea that you could not be a closeted atheist anymore. Yeah. Um, and it was, there was a, a bunch of stuff, obviously in the Bay Area where I was living at the time, a lot of people were just openly atheists anyway, but this was an online thing that was happening. Mm -hmm. And so new atheism... Um, so P.Z. Myers even has a book with the word atheism in it, right? Like, these, these guys all wrote books, and P.Z. Myers is the happy atheist. I haven't read it. I haven't read any of them except for the Sam Harris one from back in the day. I read that one. So how would you describe that? Uh, P.Z. Myers is the happy atheist. Uh, Dawkins would be the snotty, the snooty <laughs> atheist. You know, like, what would be, uh, sporty atheist, the baby sporty atheist. Sporty was definitely atheist. Hitchens. <laughs> he, he wanted to spar with everybody. Mm. Oh, really? Hitchens, yeah, oh yeah, he, that's that true. He did favorite. want to, yeah, he did want to. I've I've watched a couple of Hitchens, uh, like talks and like those like creationist like debates, and whatever. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think after a while, it kind of just gets like a little repetitive, you know. Yeah, like it doesn't really feel like there's any new ground that's being established. But what about it? What was the downfall of it? Well, the athe atheist movement, or what? It, what did it contribute? It what it, what ended up happening? P. Z. Myers was um, very uh, instrumental in the movement to have atheism stand for things. Mm -hmm. um, and so he said, well, so atheists should stand for liberal values and for like feminism and so on and so forth. And uh, other people such as uh, Dawkins and Harris and various people uh, said, well, no, atheism really is just about like believing that God is not real. 
Right. That's all atheism is, and it shouldn't stand for anything. It's just against the idea that, like, there's religion around. Yeah, yeah. And it's superstition and woo and all that stuff. It depends on how much you want to, like, attribute atheism as a part of your life, I guess. Because if you want to, like, just say, right. I just don't believe in God, I'm atheist, it's like, okay. But then if it's like, I'm atheist where I also, like, I see what they're saying. I think one person wants to go one step of the way, the other people want to go farther. Like, yes. you know, yeah. Yeah. Well, and so what ended up happening is a lot of atheist conference got taken over by sort of the men's rights types who were rebelling mm-hmm. against the idea that there would be feminism in atheism. Interesting. And uh, so, uh, ironically, from the fact that uh, uh, P.Z. Myers was one of the only people that put the word atheist in the title of his book, yeah. um, he doesn't call himself an atheist anymore. Now he says he's a humanist, which philosophically is more correct in the first place. Hmm. Right? Atheism... If you look in the dictionary, <laughs> atheism says up, that, like, you know, you just don't believe in God, and that's what atheism is. Right. And humanism is the idea that humans can decide what things are good and what things are bad, and humans should have agency collectively to try to make bad things less and good things more. Yeah. And um, so PZ was um, uncompromising. Mm-hmm. Early on, when there was lots of attempts at compromising... Uh, and so, um, and then it sort of just fell out of the whole thing. He was like, you guys want to argue, you do that somewhere else. Hmm. Um, so I still watch Dennett's videos because he still does interesting stuff Okay. every once in a while. He's a professor of philosophy, but he, um, uh, is well known in the, in the AI community. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he put a lot of work into, uh, trying to do AI theory and so, so on and so forth. Um. Only somewhat successfully, as everyone's aware at this point. Like, AI is still just like, oh, we're going to do multidimensional math. Um, yeah. I feel, I feel uh, uh, like multidimensional math is like... It, there's a whole new can of worms there for me to fail another grade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, all it means is that it's just, it's just capturing, like, hey, you fed it this thing, it's going to regurgitate that thing back out at you. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. all AI is at this point. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you train the thing with a bunch of photos that humans picked... And then once it's done, this thing can do what the humans would have done. Right, yeah. If they it's had not, picked um, new photos. It's not artificial general intelligence. Exactly, not even yeah. close. Yeah. And nobody's even trying for right. that, it's, really. It's barely even like the same project, almost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it never has been, in a way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, like, nobody thinks that Dennett contributed to, like, multidimensional math or whatever. He mm-hmm. was trying to contribute to the to AGI stuff, and, yeah. you know, nobody got anywhere on it, mm-hmm. as, far as, as far as I can tell. That is interesting um, to think about. It's all, I find that entire conversation interesting, too, because I kind of feel like if you could create artificial in general intelligence, like that almost that almost might prove that there is a God. So, uh, <laughs> I, well, I don't know. You wonder what you would get if you had like a computer that was intelligent. And then what if you just had like 10 computers that were intelligent? Would they be 10 times as intelligent? Would they like, be yeah, like 100 times as intelligent? We don't know, right? But or, would, I, or would they just argue? Like, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> and nothing would get done. You know what they say: two two computers, uh, five million opinions. <laughs> Did you just make that up? That's a Jew joke. Oh, oh, yeah. I thought that was. I thought you made it up just now. That's two Jews, three opinions. Oh, yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, I get it. Jeez, that's great. Actually, I love that. <laughs> um, that's uh, that's interesting, man. Um, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So anyway, Jordan. So so. No, no. What? No, what? What are you? What are you gonna say? I was gonna say anything. What? <laughs> I just said Jordan. Okay. Uh, Peterson. So Nate, what do you consider yourself? Also, how 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 okay is it for me to like blow up your spot about stuff I know about your life? 
Oh, um, well, why don't we get through the podcast and talk about that stuff <laughs> a little more in depth once I have more of a feel of it? Okay. And for now, it's just sort of like yeah, the no, no, no. But this can. is what it is. Like this is um, this is perfect. Honestly, uh, this is the type of stuff we like to talk about. Uh, we do often find ourselves talking about religion specifically. Um, yeah. So and getting yeah. nowhere with it. Yeah, and getting nowhere with it. Um, <laughs> I, I myself uh, have always. I, I don't consider myself as such because there is no. Uh, there's no, there's nothing left anymore. But there's no good theistic Satanism left. And, uh, <laughs> well, the Church of Satan is pretty good on Twitter, I think. Hate it. It's yeah. atheistic Satanism. Well, but they're funny. Yeah. Well, that's, that's good. the point I, of Twitter. I, I, like I actually, I don't follow them, <laughs> and I should. So that's, you know, that's a good point. Uh, Church of Satan, the Satanic Temple. Atheistic Satanism, it's just exhausting. Uh, I'm not a fan. You know, gotcha, uh, it's too much what, one note. What I like about what you're saying about PZ, um, about this, like that to me sounds more in line with what I consider to be the values of theistic Satanism, which is like it is an orientation towards the world such that you rebel against things. That's kind of what you do. Like if religion says that things should be structured in a specific hierarchy and you should obey a certain authority, then you should rebel against that thing and like... You should always question these things. So, well, I certainly haven't ever come at my life from that direction, but I can't <laughs> dispute that that's sort of somewhat the result. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I don't have like a philosophy of disagreeing with the system. I've just interacted with the system, and the more <laughs> I did, the more I hated it. You were just like I just naturally, inherently disagreed with it. Before, oh yeah, was this before like you had a job, like career, like going through all this? Or well, it's that, been yeah. so many levels of it. Yeah. Right. Like, so the first level of it was kindergarten. Like, mm-hmm. I hated kindergarten. Yeah. It was all day. Preschool was only half day. And the class ahead of me yeah. had half day kindergarten. But they invented whole day kindergarten my year. And I just, just for you. Hated it was, that. They were like, oh, Nate's man. coming. We're going to have to. I definitely took it personally. <laughs> I promise you, I did. It's for every up, year of yeah. my life, starting in kindergarten, I took my education as a personal affront. <laughs> What was it about it that you uh, spent? Like, was the t- how long you had? To, you said how long you had to be there. It was like, originally just purely based like how on how long I had to be there, but right. it rapidly became about how boring and useless everything was. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know, and I don't care when the war happened. Like, I guess I could care what order they happened in. Like, if they tried to right. make me just say, "Oh, well, which thing happened first? Yeah. <laughs> I probably could have cared about that a little, but like. Not even that much. I just really, like, I cared about getting things done. I wanted to, like, you know, build a stereo system and turn it on and make it loud, you know, like. Well, it's also because, like, the way they teach history, they always teach it, I feel like, from the perspective of wars, right? Like, it's always, like, we won this war, and that is why we are great. Well, because the the wars classically are what what make the changes. Well, I mean, it's it's actually exceptionally honest. It's like, they even say in history class, like, the winners write the... Right, history, history or whatever. Yes. And they say that as though that's something the bad guys say, but we would never do that. And it's like, obviously we do that. I actually, yeah. uh, so I'm a little more into history. Uh, I think I got it from my dad, but I also didn't, I wasn't into it in high school or like, you know, middle school or elementary school. Like I, only after I left all that shit was I like, you know, history is actually awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah. right. Drunk yeah. history I've heard is a really great show and stuff. Yes. There's a, there's a YouTube, <laughs> that's uh, a good one. there's a YouTube thing. I probably, I'll plug right here just because I like it. Uh, biographics and geographics. Uh. Are these like two YouTube channels. Uh, and they do in-depth like reviews from their own perspective of like all these different world leaders in history. Like, but by own perspective, I mean like they'll talk about Leopold the Third, like the the second uh, emperor of Pol- uh, Sweden. Sorry, huh? And how he well, basically they just talked the whole time about him uh, going to the 
Congo and you know enslaving Uh-oh. all the Congolese Uh-oh. people and Uh-oh. he was the he was the emperor who made the little um, um zoos in oh it was in Belgium it was in Belgium I'm sorry uh, what he uh, that's where it Dude, was what are you even saying yeah sorry I got sidetracked to where I already from. what you're talking about the Fisca- Swedish king in enslaved Belgian people king. Belgian, Belgian king. king yeah in, okay. uh, in, in the 19th did he century. do it with waffles that's <laughs> no he did not what I need to know <laughs> I'm getting wildly off track sorry okay. um, well, do you want to get more off track or less off track uh, whatever it's a cool story I don't know yeah let's we just talk <laughs> man that's that's what we do we just talk um, no uh, I do think though um, Nate that you would like these podcasts that Alex and I listen to um, one's called the dollop and the other one's called last podcast on the left and they do very like Yes, leftist also really and also yes. comed, com, comedic takes on uh, history and stuff. And I do like comedy. Yeah, so it's like, but you know, like it's everything they're history, saying though. is true. But hmm? it's not just history. Dollop, the dollop does a comedic take on history. Oh yeah, last yeah. podcast and left does, does a comedic take on yeah. serial the killers. Macabre. The macabre, yeah. It's, killer. it's a combination oh, okay. of like true, a little bit goth, maybe true crime, um, and also just dark history and just UFO like a bunch of stuff. Uh, yeah. UFO sighting, like reports. Yeah, that's yeah. good shit too. Yeah, um, really, yeah. really awful. But, but stuff, the one yeah. thing that I think that Nate's touching upon, and something that we've talked about previously, is like this idea that one of the biggest problems with education is they tell you what you have to learn, and it's like um, I think everyone has some kind of intellectual curiosity in them. And frequently it's stamped out. <laughs> oh, but you yeah. know what? You know what, though? There, oh, yeah. is, there should be a happy medium, though, because I think when you're young, you can't really uh, understand, like, what you need to learn necessarily. There is some push. Yeah, man. It. But, like, who's telling us what we need to learn? We Why do to, we need to learn those things? Here's the thing. <laughs> exactly. we need to, first thing we should learn about, fuck, motherfucker, is how to take care of your goddamn money because we're in a society where you have to take care of your goddamn money. That's well, true. They I should clearly care. never yeah. learned. Yeah. yeah. Then well, but then they would just teach you to care massively about your credit rating and all the other things the corporations yeah. actually want you to care now, about. We are getting into dangerous territory because this is another big no-no, which is we cannot talk. Even though none of us on this podcast have anything to do with anything related to this, uh, we cannot talk about any kind of financial or trading or advice or like anything like that. We're okay. not talking about that. Okay, that's really good. By the way, Nate, this is the best part of the show where you tell us <laughs> what we can't talk about. And uh, then we have to quickly switch subjects. Quickly switching subjects. subjects. <laughs> Other thing we should learn, uh, car maintenance. Because a lot of people drive cars. Oh, that's what they do. Uh, this is stuff that I think you guys have heard about before, but uh, uh, there is practical things we should be learning, and after that, then we can go on to learning about calculus. I guess I think you. I think, I think, given the right circumstances, you will learn the practical things because you will know that you have to. Like you, if it gives you some kind of benefit in your life, and I guess this is not everybody, but it's just like yeah, if you drive a car, I mean. You'll learn how to maintain it. No. <laughs> okay. No. <laughs> that is not how it works. It's true that if you care about maintaining cars, you will learn how to maintain cars. Yeah, sure. but if you you can own well, a car and not... Would you... It's like, come on. I, people can't even take care of their phones. But, but hold on. Would you define... Yeah, right. Le- I can't even take care of my phone. Well, me yeah. neither. But would you define learning how to maintain something could also be like finding a friend who does like to do it. Yeah, but that's a really cheap cop-out because most of the people that are, have practice at doing that and have skills at doing that are that way because they've never tried to learn any of the things themselves at all. And it's not that they have an area of expertise. It's just that they've always been ready for copping out. Yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, and, and to be fair, you got to bring like something a, to the table, man. You got to be good at something. Yeah, I guess if I'm being like totally honest, I'm like a huge copper outer uh, <laughs> in general, but also like, yeah, I mean, I don't. 
I'm not completely stupid, but I, I always take my car to the mechanic to do all kinds of simple shit. Like I don't. Well, but you learned how to do your own podcast here and you've got the <laughs> nice <laughs> microphone and all the rest of it. Just, just we should, barely. We should, learn to blo- <laughs> we should learn to block all those uh, inhibitions to, to cop. Yeah, my, my, my life is called Money Solves Problems pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> you buy the expensive equipment, you have a good-sounding podcast. <laughs> it's, it's fucking... Hey, no. by the way, that's another thing, too, we should learn in uh, school is uh, how you know hopeless it is if you're not rich to get stuff done in the world. <laughs> well, fuck. Uh, or how helpless you are if you are rich and you, can, you probably can't do anything for yourself. So Also cooking. Know. Also cooking. I can't cook. <laughs> Most people aren't going to be able to cook anymore. I know. You're right. What happened? Like, I, 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 I keep <laughs> thinking of the fifth element where, like, the, the floating Chinese restaurant comes to his window and he oh. gets, there's no kitchen in his apartment at all. <laughs> yeah. That would be fantastic. I but, mean, if but, you didn't have a kitchen, it would massively sim- simplify the ventilation problems and stuff in a typical apartment like this. That is so true. Ste- so step one, create the ability to have uh, uh, no gravity, anti-gravity lift. <laughs> step two. That's it. What? It's all we, all we need to do, and then we're in fifth element. Sure, world. whatever you say, man. Yeah. Uh, something that just occurred to me is like, I bet you that apartments of the future will have like the aesthetic, like, how do I put this? The aesthetic shadowing of a, what a kitchen would be and like what a kitchen would look like, but no actual <laughs> kitchen, right? Because like, like just a countertop to like open your sandwiches on from the sandwich place. <laughs> kind of yes, because like it would just be like a reminder of like what once was. Because I, the, you'll have you'll have the uh, the Taco Bell takeout section. Yeah, to like get your Taco Bell prepared. Well, well, like I just think about how weird this space would look if I didn't have any kitchen at all. Like <laughs> it would be, be a lot more open. And yet, and yet, I like barely. I use my kitchen to make scrambled eggs. That's it. <laughs> well, that's not quite nothing, but it's also something you could do on a hot plate. I know. I know. I'm well aware. By the way, I looked at an apartment uh, like three years ago when I was like looking around for places. I went to an apartment that they didn't have like an actual stove. It was just a little stovetop like a uh, hot plate thing. That's it. That's yeah. they offered. Good, and I was like, for them. easy living. Like, you know? easy living. Um, <laughs> well, there's some people that really are renting a place that they can crash at at six or eight in the morning when they get done partying all night or all weekend. Sure. That's, yeah. 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 And just, yeah. I know about this because one of the venues that uh, we have sound equipment in, the people who, the people who live above the venue... One of the people is like that and parties all night and doesn't care about how loud it is because they're not home not until home usually, yeah. the party's actually over. Yeah. The other people that live above it are not like that and yeah. they are home and they're trying to do yoga or something uh, and like the whole is floor rough. is vibrating massively. That is rough. That's a rough life. That's New York living. Well, so there's a big arbitrage there. You could save a lot of money because they want to fill that apartment. They don't want it to be zero dollars rent because they have to pay taxes on it. But they would give you a discount if you really didn't care. Well, I used to live in an apartment like that. I I used to pay $720 that included utilities to live in the Lower East Side above a bar uh, in a tiny little closet. Yeah. You literally had to walk into the bathroom sideways. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, I, I was so surprised by this living situation you had. That was when you were a real that nomad. That was... You were a real nomad in New York City at that... that uh, I was always high. <laughs> <laughs> Just to get through that. We, we didn't have heat for a while, and like these guys were kind enough. Alex lived in another apartment in Bushwick, and they were kind enough to like put me on their couch for a little bit. Um one yeah. day, because I remember one day I was just like being proud. I was like, "It's cool, guys. I've got like my Sub Zero 
my my sub zero's sleeping bag and yeah. I'm gonna be okay and you know I'm just gonna get drunk and then pass out. I'll it be was great. It was like I'll so be fine and best times of the apartment was having you. Color. <laughs> I know. Yeah, you're, I mean, mostly just because those are wild times. Yeah, having time. having a lot less at stake is that's what the song right. The freedom is another I, word for nothing left to lose. I know, like, but I got to tell you, like I, I am so much happier now. I was so sad back then. Like you create problems when you don't have problems. That's true too. Yeah, that's true too. Where, when when you're when you're running around like just doing everything you feel like, yeah, you create problems. If I have not a, looking if, ahead, if I have any nostalgia, it's for like not properly utilizing that time. But yeah. Well, it's hard to say what proper is. Man. I know. I know. Everything works out. However, the fuck it works out. <laughs> well, like, do you guys think that we're more like this? Our generation more like uh, people who want to stay at home more and more. This love the generation. Rules the nation. Okay, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Okay, go on. I'm sorry. Also, I think we should uh, uh, learn about uh, what was it? Oh, okay. circle back. What are you saying that we want to stay on? What were you saying? What, oh, yeah, because I think um, uh, when it comes to uh, <laughs> all right, fuck you. Staying at home. All right, staying at home. Thank you. Sorry. Yeah, we're staying at home. We are a generation that I'm stays the home more. Thank you so <laughs> thank much. You, thank yeah. you for keeping some shit in your yeah. in your head. Uh, well, I feel like we are a generation that sticks that sticks at home a little more than the other generations, and I want and I wonder if that is due just to the simple fact uh, that we have the ability to accommodate ourselves more homely, more you know, like we can like oh we, for sure. Yeah, what, what, what do you yeah. mean by home? I mean, do like, you mean like staying with your parents, or do you mean staying like staying in at your uh, your house, you like have? literally just no, no, not my, going out? My dad loves yeah. to emphasize that in his generation, when he was growing up, there basically were no restaurants. Mm. Like what? the whole takeout thing and yeah, the whole delivery thing didn't exist back then. It's like a very special occasion thing. Yeah. So like the, yeah. there was some nice restaurants you could go to that were basically synonymous with like the event halls and stuff. And you could have your potluck or you could have your like fancy catered thing. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, and and so there was always restaurants at the at the resort, but there weren't like a strip of giant like malls and restaurants and everything else the way that like especially in the south they love to do this where you know just like strip strip pave six lanes in either direction right with traffic lights every 10 feet and you know and you have as many restaurants as you can cram in there oh, with parking lots I wonder who oh pizza that's pizza sweet <laughs> keep talking guys keep talking uh, sure we shouldn't pause it <laughs> nah it's okay um i wanted to say that uh uh <laughs> When I was listening to a lot of true crime podcasts, they always talk about like how um, there's people who like would spend like you know they spent days without leaving their house sometimes, and that's when people start in this town in the '70s started to get the feeling something's up. And I'm always <laughs> just like you know, I do that. I kind of do that sometimes. Maybe I leave. oh for sure. And like, then I'm like I'm like I'm not a serial. Ki- well, I'm not, I'm not a serial killer. Guys, I'm not, not a serial killer. I, I promise. Not a serial killer. <laughs> yeah. Um. No, I, I mean, that's true, but, uh, so that's interesting. Uh, well, maybe the internet helped make that, like, more interesting mm-hmm. and fun of a thing mm-hmm. to do than internet, it used to be. Internet, the whole, take out the home media service, like, you could just have, like, a whole fucking great day without leaving your, uh, apartment. Yeah, binge-watching um, Netflix. That wasn't the thing back then. You yeah. had to watch what they told you to watch. So, yeah. so, so, Nate, did you hear what, um, I'm gonna call him Greg. Uh, he's the individual who goes by the middle name, who's from South Carolina that we work with. Yeah. So try breaking that down, audience. <laughs> no, that's a common thing in, in the Carolinas. It's just like he's very touch, like you know about. Let's call him Greg. So Greg, oh, that's pieces of shit. All right, <laughs> fuck. Okay, what I was gonna say is about the whole uh, in Japan people not food, having any friends food, thing. Food, Talk man, about that. Get the food. <laughs> What's up, 
something about Japan? I did not get a lot of that, yeah. <laughs> did not get a lot of that. Um, James is uh, patiently waiting. This is now James Takes a Delivery Podcast, where we uh, narrate James getting a delivery. There we go. He's uh, trying to help pull out right now. <laughs> no innuendo there. No innuendo there. He's closing the door. He did not tip. That's interesting. Interesting. Okay, we're going to pause so you don't have to listen to us chewing. Yes. That's scary. It's not fully shielded. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. So we've all stuffed our faces with pizza. That was pretty tight. Yeah, we had to take a pizza break because uh, we're fat. Pizza break. Yeah. It's good pizza. Yeah, taking a pizza break. <laughs> um, it was solid pizza. So um, what I kind of half blurted out of my mouth when I was getting the pizza uh, to Nate is that we have an individual, an individual we work with, Greg, who brought up this whole thing about how apparently in Japan there's now this like subculture of people who you know just don't have any friends like that's that's the thing and there's actually like a japanese word for like eating lunch alone on the toilet because like you don't have any friends to eat with and i forget what i think it was yeah it was like like binge moji or something it, <laughs> it, it, it was some shit like that like fucking killing me um i do think that that's a little bit of an example of like a uh whatever um looking at something as uh exotic because um because we ha- also have very isolated people here. I think it's interesting how maybe some other cultures like in Japan like are more able to embrace that kind of loneliness and like not be ashamed of it whereas like in the United States like I feel like the parallel is the incel who like shoots up the school or something. Like maybe if we were more uh open and accepting about the fact that lots of people are lonely and alone like those individuals might not feel Nah, we should give the Japanese some more guns so they can uh, get just like us. <laughs> right, we should make them like us, clearly, yeah. obviously, uh, because, yeah. I don't um, know, I think the traditional solution to this problem was to move out in the middle of nowhere and hate all your neighbors that lived five <laughs> miles away and shoot your gun out your back door all the time. That's No, true. no, no, they're being one with nature. I feel like the There's implication there, though, is you usually have like a wife and then maybe a kid. That's that's well, but the incels aren't going to get there. But like the incels could do the cabin in the woods thing just fine. It seems like the the thing that I have learned about incels, and this pertains to something we were talking about before we started recording again, which we won't get into deeper, is that they are actually, in my opinion, personally, mostly not guys who are not getting laid. They're actually guys who are getting laid, who are attractive. You mean pickup artists? (sighs) Yeah, it's pickup artists. Not exactly. Not exactly. Uh, like whatever. Like if they're getting laid and they're attractive and they don't have a girlfriend or like a, s- a serious relationship and that's not how their life is oriented, then they're kind of a pickup artist, probably, right? But also depends if they're I the ones leading versus true, following. But I really think that like this incel yeah. ideology, like some of the worst of it, comes from guys who actually are doing totally fine, getting laid, and they just have this sense of entitlement that's really fucked up. Like the guys that I know that like are actually having a hard time finding a girlfriend and like are having a hard time like socializing and stuff. They're like sweet. Like they don't they're they have they don't have that kind of hatred. Like I don't know. So this isn't going anywhere. But <laughs> <laughs> I uh get I see the pickup artist angle actually more so with that cuz yeah, hey, there's, there's, two, there's two kinds of people who are uh, considered incels, right? There's the ones who are the hopeless like angry one and then there's the pickup artist confident one who yeah the, yeah. the, the, the total cynic about the whole matter yeah uh, yeah but yeah. I, but i don't know i'm saying it's actually like the other way around and i i don't even think that the cynic is necessarily like the most problematic figure 
because um, as long as you're like somewhat honest with your intentions, I guess, or like, I don't know. You guys ever watch How I Met Your Mother? No. <laughs> well, are we, go, are we going into uh, Neil Patrick Harris's character? I, well, yeah, I think Bar- Barney is one of the best characters, like in terms of like morally. He's yes. like one of the best characters on the yes, show. Yes, yes, everyone, everyone loves Barney. Like, like, like Ted constantly thinks he's falling in love with people, but he's really just using people for his own self-validation, and he's just a giant piece of shit. Whereas Barney, it's like, what's the worst that's gonna happen when you when you interact with Barney? Is that you're gonna have sex with him under some kind of false pretenses? And you're gonna find out his reality, like who he actually is, in like five seconds, like as soon as he comes. And, yeah. and then you're going to, you know, like that's a bummer sometimes, but ultimately you're going to get over it. Whereas Ted will literally fuck up your life. Like Ted will fuck up your life. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. It's true. It's so, true. so ultimately I don't think the P like the pickup artist is gross. I don't aspire to be that guy, but I don't think that that guy is like the worst guy. No, but in that situation, he's also pretty shitty. It's yeah. Like you he's could, pretty shitty. You, you, he's no, taking advantage of his power. No, no, no. Yeah. Of course, uh, but also it's new Patrick Harris. So I guess a lot of people would just be like, eh. "Well, he's already he's actually gay, so well, we don't care." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Um, All right, where did I put my thingy? I don't know. James lost his shit. It's oh. interesting that you said pickup artists are taking advantage of their power because I think really all they're doing is just being like notably ungenuine. Mm. But it, but it's something they're able to get away with because well they can get away with because some people are willing to be that ungenuine. Like and they yeah. and, and that's meeting them on their level, but like that's not at all how the pickup artist probably sees themselves. But like that's it's just you know some people really are just looking for that and they'll get it where they can and you can be available for that by projecting certain signals that they can pick up on. But then you know if you're treating it in like the incel mindset, then you're treating it as like an utter cynic, wherein like what's actually happening is like something closer to consensual relationship. <laughs> Interesting. Um, when you're saying what's actually happened. Oh, when, oh, a, oh. when a pickup artist gets laid, it's because somebody else is looking for an easy lay, right? Like, I mean, the yes. Tinder effect before yes. Tinder existed. Yes. Agreed. That, that's actually what I was going to say is that, like, uh, that's the biggest fallacy of the whole thing is this idea that other people don't want to, quote, unquote, be used and use you. Um, yeah, just like the song from the 80s. Right, right. The, the whole notion of the pickup artist is that, like, it's the man doing it to the woman, but it's like... Who's to say she's not the pickup artist, right? So it's like, yeah. Whoa. Whoa. Fucks you up. Whoa. Also, you're defending incels right now? How dare you? I'm not. I think that pickup artists and incels are two very different things. Yeah, you might be right about that. Um, although, like, they're interrelated, and they're both misogynists, probably. And um, There's a big Venn diagram, and it looks like boobs. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's a good one, man. That is pretty good. I like that. Whoa. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, man. We have an insult problem in this country, honestly. Um, we have a loneliness problem. and uh, I think we also have some positives. I didn't say we didn't. I don't have a lot of... I, 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 I'm done with the negative side. I, I'm not I here know. to think of positive stuff. I usually can't. That's fair. <laughs> I'm known for that on the row. Oh, Nate, what's the most positive thing you thought of today? You are kind of the Eeyore of the row, if I will. Yeah, I've if been I'm Eeyore my whole life. My mom, <laughs> my mom literally called me Eeyore when I was four, oh, through ten or something. So oh, first, I'm sorry. No, Is that I like a sore. No. Okay. It's it's. I embrace it. Like it's always there. been like there. It's always a thing. <laughs> what do you think of it uh, in terms of like how it's like uh, reflects on your life outwardly, like being that? Eeyore oh well, kind. I just sort of like the the one liner is that 
like I'd rather be able to predict the future than like huh. pretend that that cynicism is useless. Um, uh, yeah. Are you familiar with Hegel's master slave dialectic? I thought there was something to do with. Um, okay, sorry. No, there was. Uh, what's that other philosopher that Nicole likes so much? Mm. Um, it's all, I, oh, I don't know. It's you the master slave. I've heard of all this. Okay. I've heard of it at least. That's. A, I'm, I'm sure there's like a million other ones that have like re. You know, whatever. But but do you want to hear um, the master slave dialect by Hegel? Um, okay, so like, uh, yeah, I'm gonna not gonna explain it well, but um, excuse me, excuse me. Uh, one of the ways I heard it explained to me um, by uh, Philosophy Tube. If anybody wants to check that out, the master slave dialectic with Ollie. YouTube.com. Cool, cool. YouTube.com. Um, uh, <laughs> I think now the UALs work. <laughs> how about how about the master slave dialectic? But instead of on YouTube, it's on UJIS. It'd be like a oh, I like like a little BDSM the philosophy already, lesson. The priority exists. That definitely exists. Um, look it up. <laughs> <laughs> look it up, Scotty. Um, so uh, the whole master slave dialectic. So the idea is that the master wins because the master uh, prefers being right to living life, and the master actually hates themselves as much, if not more, than they hate the slave, and so they're able to assume more risk. Because they don't actually care if they die, because they hate everything, right? And so, um, yeah, that's you know. Also, the ma- uh, the master can't live without the slave, kind of thing, which is well, that was that whole thing. Can't kill the slave because if he kills the slave, then he doesn't exist because we only exist through other people. And yeah, like, there's a whole complicated. It's thing. it's I, I it's so dry, but it was very interesting. It was good. I, I wouldn't say it was particularly dry. I mean, it started off pretty dry. A lot of philosophy arguments are pretty dry. Well, like uh-huh. the thing about philosophy that I found when after I uh, talked to James about it for a while and took a deep dive myself is that, yeah, originally it's it's like you're going to go into it like break this down for me. Every <laughs> it's like you should put like a thing for philosophy like a tagline. Philosophy, just give me 10 minutes and I'll explain it better. <laughs> like, like that's right. what it should be. Right. No, I yeah. totally agree with you. Yeah. Yeah, philosophy is one of those weird things, and in general, social sciences are like this, where it's like, are you Apollonian, or are you Dionysian? Do you know what I'm saying? No. <laughs> no, I don't get the reference either. Uh, what, what I, is I, it? I, when OJ was Apollonia's. A- a- <laughs> Apollonian in the streets, Dionysian in the sheets, you know what I'm saying? I'm just thinking about stronger by Kanye West. Um, no, so that. like that's this like, uh, distinction that... um. I want to say Nietzsche made, or maybe it was Aristotle. Nietzsche, that's the guy I was trying to think but of. But I might he be fucking up a little hard. Uh, Nietzsche's blah, blah, blah. the Ayn Rand of his fucking time. He's fucking. Oh, whatever. Well, Nicole loves it. No, no. He, he, like, he, he, he did a lot of Hegel stuff, so that makes sense. To, oh, okay. Um, but Do he, he rebranded Hegel and, and sold yeah, it for more money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is what Marx kind of did. I mean, yeah. Um, but. Uh, Oh, come on, stop. What was this? Come on. Uh, all, I right oh, now, dial- all, all, all I got right now Dionysian is Dionysian versus Apollonian. Apollonian is more uh-huh. like a objective. Hegel boss. Im- <laughs> Hegel boss. Fuck you. You know what, man? You're not the master or, or the, the dialectic. <laughs> or the god. <laughs> or god or my boss. Okay. Um, no, but like, uh, fuck you, man. Come on. What? What? Apollonian uh, thank you, yeah. Jesus. All right. Uh, I still don't know where we're at. No, on that. no, 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 no. It's like, it's like, <laughs> come on. It's like, it's like this. It's like this. It's like Go. this. It's like this. It's like this. It's like this. 
Okay. Um, something Apollonian is like kind of more objective, like empirical, scientific STEM, like that type of stuff. Whereas Dionysian is like interpretive, creative, uh, uh, artistic. Like left brain, right brain stuff. It is a lot like that. And the thing that's interesting for me about social sciences and philosophy and stuff like that is it's comes from a Dionysian place, but you expect it to be interpreted as Apollonian almost like, like you do all these like theses and you like write all the shit on a board and you're like, you see, I proved this, you know, but it's like ultimately a Dionysian endeavor because it's just like a bunch of fucking nonsense. It might as well be jazz music. Like, Yeah. And I've lost track of what it is in this sentence, but otherwise I thought I was following you. Philosophy. Uh, philosophy. Yeah, oh, I, yeah, what, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's trying to turn, like, yeah. um, uh, qualia into something you can prove. Ooh, yes. What's that word? I heard that word before, qualia. What is that again? Well, so in, in physics, qualia is, like, the unexplainable sensation of being. Right. But, like, Fuck. in, in um, one of my favorite books, actually... Um, uh, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. It is not a good novel. It is a good instruction for how to learn to write software. Huh. I've um, actually heard this. That's interesting. Really? Because I only came to that conclusion myself from reading it, but I've loved it for huh. that. Um, and he's basically talking about how quality is the thing that everyone's looking for. Yeah. Like quality equipment, quality motorcycle, right? Like I want this motorcycle to work well even when I'm riding it in the mountains and, you know, even when it's raining and, you know, he cares about the quality of how the engine works in the motorcycle. And, like, uh, quality comes sort of from nothing, right? It right. sort of just comes from your experience of it. Yeah. And so that's sort of the point of the book is that, like, if you're writing software, um, you can't say, I'm going to write the software as a proof, right? It has to um, interact with the world. It has to interact with people, and um, yeah. it has to interact with different circumstances when you ride the motorcycle to different places and different times. Yeah. And so... Um, one thing he talks about in the book that's really important is like understanding the principles behind how the engine works so that you can fix it when it breaks. But another thing he talks about a lot is like there's good designs and bad designs. And like there's good tools and bad tools. Right. And what makes them good or bad is just sort of the experience of it and not anything you can prove. And you just need to get good at having taste. Right. And being a good developer in some regards is just about having good taste mm -hmm. and knowing the options and picking a good one and just you picked a good one. Mm -hmm. I kind of I see that. I see that point a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, the quali you can't have quality without qualia. <laughs> there we go. Um, so, Whew. yeah, that that's some dead stuff right there. Yeah. I gotta say. That's, yeah. We're, we're getting through it. <laughs> I'm pretty drunk already, man. <laughs> really? Yeah, man. I mean, I guess that's what your extra days are for, right? Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Sa Saturday part two. Saturday part two. Um, so what was the name of that book again? Just so we can get that name. Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance by hey. somebody I've heard online has you a really big that, ego. It's like a very, it's a common. It is pretty, it, it's a pretty well-known book. Probably a yeah. bunch of literature students have to read it that, and they probably hate it and don't care. See, I was never a lit boy. Yeah. You're James? never a lit boy? Lit yeah. boy? I don't. I told you my, my New Year's resolution is to read a book. 
in one year? A book. A single book. Any book. Okay. I don't yeah. Well, where are you with that? Uh, how far? I'm not doing well. God. <laughs> <laughs> it's early in the year. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose it is. Uh, I don't even, I don't even know, man. Um so I don't read anymore either. Like it's sad. I've been like read stuff online, but I don't read books anymore cuz it's too much trouble. It's the yeah, it's the it's an old medium at this point. Well, you I can, used to have time too. Right. But you can absorb information so much faster and in such greater volume. From other uh, other mediums, you know? well, it's different information though. It's true, it's true. I mean, one of the most important things about books is this idea that you can kind of like create this internal world by yourself. And um, let's talk about books. Let's let's talk about books. Let's talk about books right now. Let's talk about books. Right Not now. about like real books, but like you know what's concept. cool about books is like you can stack them on a shelf. It makes That's actually look is cool. You, dude. It's better than looking good. It actually makes a really high quality diffuser for very little money. Acoustically, having a bunch of bookshelves with books on them. Especially if the books vary in size, yeah, is very good acoustically. That's why libraries uh, sound so good, and you can yeah. be quiet and still hear. But and in a bad bar, it doesn't work that way. But in a good bar, you can basically always see some books or something that looks like books on shelves around. That's I, I wish point. I wish I had more because my uh, the acoustics in this apartment are just a tragedy. Oh, you should see my apartment. There's so much stuff in there. The diffusion extends to most of the floor. Nice. Uh. Is that adequate? What does that do acoustically to the apartment? It, well, it makes it have really good acoustics, even for relatively low frequencies, which oh. is nice because I can nice. listen when I listen to the reggae radio programs I listen to. Like I can hear nice. it really well. I have two, um, two radios, two stereo systems that are basically not functioning in stereo. They're fifty feet apart, and I sit in between them. <laughs> so I have a railroad apartment. It's extremely narrow. Fifty it's like, feet apart. Yeah, literally, I've Jeez. paced it out. Um, it's 25 on each side. Wow. And, um, the way the railroad is laid out is it's like eight feet wide yeah. or something, but it's like this entire, like 60 foot thing or 70. Yeah. I don't know how many feet it actually is. I, live in, railroad, I live in a railroad too, so I know. What you're oh, nice. About. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, we did the conversion by converting it out, which was a, uh, the big win I did in San Francisco too. I got a, a, a quote unquote two bedroom conversion and I usually lived on it alone. Um, right. And, yeah. and, Right, converting it out is the best. And so, anyway, so um, uh, one of the one of the radios has two seventies speakers. You know, with those fifteen inch woofers, the big ones. Yes, those are big ones. And the yeah. and the little tiny speakers that don't do anything else. Right. Um, and I have a digital crossover, so I use something else for the tiny speakers, and I just use the seventies speakers for the woofers. Oh wow. And I have a decent amp there. Is uh, I love Crown amps. They're great. They're heavy. And, but like with being it so, but them being so far apart, does it make any kind of weird noise? Like, uh, like if you're too close to one, not the other, it just like kind of messes with the. Uh... Uh, well, it, they're in different rooms, so there's four rooms. Really. Oh, gotcha. And so you leave the doors open, and you sit in the doorway. Yeah. And um, <laughs> so you part of the like effect. A chair in the doorway. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. did. I moved this little cushion that we have, and I just put it in the doorway. That's pretty smart. Yeah. And oh well, I sort of discovered it organically i didn't like plan this ahead right i built one stereo in the far room and i built a different stereo in the living room right um and the one in the living room has uh my four by ten bass cabinet oh so they Jeez. both have real bass yeah but the living room one only goes down to 40 hertz the mm -hmm. low e on the bass most bass cabs are set up to do that and like you, so you play bass sorry i should say i well not well but i have all the equipment yeah, yeah that's fine yeah <laughs> And uh, and I had some band like ventures at different different times, 
Um, awesome. But anyway, so yeah, this listening setup, it's, it's like wearing 50-foot headphones. The bass notes are extremely clean. Uh-huh, and nice. part of the reason is because being in the doorway, um, there's an impedance thing happening at the level of the entire room. Right. When you're talking about small rooms and bass. Right. And what the effect of that is, if you've ever been to a bass party in a relatively small room... Be near a wall. Yeah. The bass is way louder near a wall. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason is that's where the pressure is. Hmm. And in the middle of the room, there is moving, moving away more. Sides, yeah. But if the walls, especially if the walls are really solid, um, which these are like brick walls and stuff, um, if the walls are really solid, they don't move much. They reflect it back a lot. And yeah. that means the pressures are very high. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so by sitting in the doorway... I'm getting a high pressure wave from each side. Yeah. Um, and I also have absorbers around. Uh, I built uh, all my, uh, so I have a bunch of tall bookshelves for diffusion, right? But I also built a bunch of really tall uh, baker's racks uh, right. with the, the um, container store, you know, online equivalent restaurant thing. Yeah. And I bought the tallest ones you can buy. Uh, and I, big shelves and all the stuff that's in my closets is like solid boxes and equipment and all the clothing of any kind is out on these shelves and so the shelves are absorbers but by being so big the shelves are base traps they absorb base and the enemy of good base indoors is the reflections that are coming back they're coming back later than the original wave and they're canceling it out right at some yeah. frequencies and so you have dead spots everywhere you go in, in the indoor base show wherever you are you're going to be able to find a note that you can't hear at all yeah that sucks when when they when they play it even though it's around you and you can tell it's around you you just can't hear it yeah um and I so get those that dead just, spots i get that i'm just not having good hearing anymore but yeah <laughs> you know that's it's easy f- to have that as well. Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> after going to all these shows, I have I struggle with that. Um, but the big tall bass traps keep those reflections down, and yeah. so uh, the bass is so clear it really is like wearing headphones, but it without any of the fatigue. Yeah, yeah. Um, so with all that process that you just described in mind about like your setup for listening to music, what do you listen to? What is your mostly foundation <laughs> reggae? That's a great question. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. Also, uh, I like, like, I like uh, Indian yeah. music, like East Indian, Pakistani. Hell yeah. Um, there's Love a it. really good show on WKCR uh, Sundays 7 to 9 is, is the great um, Indian music. They did um, they did an event at Pioneer Works a couple of years ago. You guys should look this up if you like this stuff because you can listen to a 24-hour recording of a bunch of ragas that were being played Um Pioneer Works is a giant, giant room. Yeah. Uh, they have lots of space, very tall ceiling. It's like a cathedral, like European style. It's big. I've been there. Those notes echo forever. And yeah. it sounds so good. And yeah. so they did this recording this 24 hours long. I think they maybe even did a second one by now. If so, I missed it, sadly. Uh, but the first time they broadcast the first one, I actually just left it on overnight while I was sleeping. Oh, wow. <laughs> Ragas um, are designated usually a certain time of day that they're preferred. Uh, they can be seasons they're preferred. Huh. Or um, What's a raga again? Sorry, I don't think I actually got that explained It's uh, Oh, a raga is um, a name for the part of how Indian music is organized. Mm. Oh, okay, gotcha. I don't know very well the details. My buddy was really into it, and he 
taught me, he made me think that ragas um, are sort of like a state machine where there's some notes that come after other notes. Yeah. Um, okay. And we actually had, like, I was trying to te- get him interested in writing software so that he could write this software that would just, like, make ragas. Like, if you take a raga and you could encode it in such a way that it would make the right notes with the right probabilities. He, huh. made, he made me think that the way ragas were rule-based enough that you could have done that math. Huh. Um, yeah. I don't know for sure if that's true. But ragas are one of the basic structures of, of East Indian music. And uh, the time of day thing is really important. And so when they, did, they organized this big event, they had people coming in from all over the coast and everything. Uh, and they played stuff that was appropriate for the time of day, um, in particular, for this whole 24 hours. And so you can get this recording and just listen to the whole thing straight through. Um, I sadly haven't heard all of it, but you know, as soon as I'm unemployed again, I'll, I'll totally, <laughs> I'll totally like hit that up and just and hour just five still to at it. it. Yeah. Um, but I also listened to the um, uh, eight eight uh, eight to noon on Saturdays on KCR WKCR is the um, uh, Vaughn All Stars radio show, and then on Sunday nine to noon on WFMU is uh, uh, Jeff Sarge who is very, very old school and also has a really fun taste. So, like, I try to listen to those guys at least right. part of it, if not the whole thing, every weekend. I was I was expecting some, like, out-prog album of, like, really good high <laughs> fidelity or something like that. But, like, you said, like, you know, radio programs, and I'm just like, that's... I, I appreciate it's that. impressive. Though. Terrestrial radio, yes. Terrestrial radio. Yeah. My, my friend joked about it when I was telling him. That's how come I use that term now. Is, is It took him several attempts for me to explain though this really is the radio fm that you pull in you yeah, know like yeah, in your yeah. car and he's like, oh terrestrial radio <laughs> that's been the joke ever since yeah but amateur radio <laughs> ham radio yeah no, that's just pretty cool though um don't have as nearly of impressive a setup uh if we're gonna get into the uh, speaker talk oh james did you have something to say about speaker talk nope <laughs> I have nothing to say. I have a terrible system. <laughs> I, I I dropped way too much money on um these bookshelf speakers and this receiver, but ultimately the acoustics in my apartment suck. Like they're decent speakers, but um ultimately the acoustics are so shitty that it just doesn't really make a difference and I, I listen to everything through a pair of headphones. And um You have yeah. one couch. I do. And two small bookshelves. I do. So and it's those giant- are Gold fountain. And, a, <laughs> and a giant cat passed out on... Yeah, a giant cat. I just... I gotta tell you guys, like, I'm dying to finish this episode so I can just go and pet my cat because he looks so comfy. That's really good. All right, so next thing <laughs> I wanted to get on, the last subject I wanted to get on, um, all, hun- all 100 points I wanted to make uh, <laughs> regarding Elizabeth Warren. Oh, now, boy. Oh, yeah, we literally... <laughs> Alex and I talked about, like, what are we going to do for the episode? Like, before we had known that Nate was going to come on. Um, and we were going to talk about um, Bernie versus Warren. Um, I guess we'll, like, finish with that, I suppose. Sure. The truth is, is, like... No, we don't need to finish with that. Don't worry. We can do that next time. <laughs> I swear, no, it's literally fine. I was just making a joke. There's, like, a, you know, some big firestorms on Twitter about this. And, like, this is the first time that, like, I have been firmly convinced that Warren is not worth it. And that, like... You know, it's like it's Bernie no matter what, pretty much. Um, uh oh, Bernie bro, oh, wow. Bernie bro alert. What about, um, what about booty? What about booty? Bo- booty judge. <laughs> what about booty? Booty judge. Um, booty no, Biden. No, no, thank you. No, thank you. Um, 
Well, no, you're, you're you're Bernie all the way. I I am now, yeah. So this this made up your mind. Yeah, it's just like I some facts have come to light. <laughs> like like a lot of people online are just constructing these arguments about how. Um, you know, have look, you fact checked those by the way? Especially the one that I think I know you're talking about. I have, have, I have fact uh, fact checks a certain amount of them. Look, yeah. I'll tell you what they're saying versus what I believe. What they're saying is that she's a grifter and that she's just in it to completely take the wind out of Bernie's sails, and that like, you know, she's basically a, a insidious individual. What I actually believe is that she thinks she's doing the right thing, and that she thinks that she's like the only one who can like present a pragmatic vision of Bernie's vision. But like, ultimately her whole thing is like, she's just going to compromise. I think it's really funny how she's going to compromise in a bit in a more, in a way that people aren't really comfortable with. Well, well, I think it's really funny how like her entire appeal basically is this idea that she's not going to actually do any of the things that she says she's going to do. And it's like, at that point, why not just vote for Biden? Because like, why not just vote for somebody who's already says they're not going to do them? No, (laughs) no, disagree. (laughs) Disagree. We we could talk about this at another time. Why? Yeah, why? Are you really like? Is it? Oh, because James really has to pet that cat. Well, he now he wants to talk about Warren. Let Nate talk, man. No, I know I'm joking. No, Nate. you talk. That's what I wanted. No, that's that's all. That's pretty much all I have to say. Like, no, 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 me. Not oh you, yeah, you, not you. you, yeah. <laughs> no, I disagree. Just because. Uh, uh, no, she She's a. She. She's not as insane as people say she is, but also she uh, offers a more a different alternative that I think boring is. <laughs> It is different. There are differences. There's difference yeah. between her and Biden, and I th- and also uh, when it comes to you know like what she has done <laughs> done. I think there's some points to that too. She's also come out with a uh, cookbook in the '90s called Pow Wow Chow, where she I plagiarized know. recipes from Native Americans. And you know what? You know what? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. That's a bad look, but it's a look that I don't really think affects the presidency. I I, I, much, I, I get that in the same it's, way in the same way that this whole like. Bernie saying a woman can be elected, whether or not I believe it happened or not, I just like literally don't do give a shit. Yeah, doesn't do anything for me. But but um, but it, like the bigger upshot is the fact that like yeah, like she didn't become this champion of all this stuff until like Bernie. Like it's very clear that she's trying to. Pander. That's not entirely true. Okay, but she wanted she the, the CFPB thing was hers, right? Okay. And she yeah, wanted to say, thing. like, that the financial interests were not properly regulated and that they should be regulated more. And she was a Yale professor and wanted to know all kinds of details. And that's always been her, her vibe anyways. And, mm. oh, I'm the wonky blah, blah, blah. And she wanted to, like, fix the financial system. And she was going to become the head of the CFPB, but Congress was, wasn't going to appoint her, wasn't going to be willing to confirm it. So that's why she ended up running instead. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I did not so know she that. got into it from a different <laughs> angle, though, because Sanders is coming at it from like this like philosophical socialist angle, and Warren was coming at, at this like technocratic like why don't we just fix the problem angle, mm-hmm. yeah. and like that is a major difference, and, that, and that's something I really appreciate too. Pre- presented yeah. that way, then then uh, presented that way, I'm on Warren's side. <laughs> Like, well, right, because yeah. like she she started out having these great opinions, and then everybody's telling her, oh, you need to turn it down, you need to turn it down. Mm. And like she actually did in a way that Sanders kind of like was like fuck you, but but I don't know like because I don't know I think part part of the problem is all the media I'm consuming is very clearly on one particular side of this issue. Um, all the media we're consuming is also well all the media that you're consuming and I'm and I'm being told I should consume. <laughs> um, uh, that's not true. It's it goes both ways. Uh, it's a lot of it though is also the same kind of idealism that I think a lot of people uh, are 
why they vote for Sanders. And I do agree with it. I'm very conflicted sometimes between the two, but uh, it really is like, where am I well, personally? It's for, like, am I, am I in a more pragmatic world right now? Or am I in a more idealistic I, world? Look, I always, <laughs> like, that's really is the I, I, I want to be clear. Like I'm always more for the pragmat pragmatism because at the end of the day, like it doesn't matter what your political philosophies are. It matters like how people's lives actually get affected by shit. Yes. Um, yes and but so those, 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 the, those decisions can make, it's like one is a slower, more, like, you know, we can do this if we do everything right versus, like, we have to scrap the whole thing and do it this way. And that's the only way to do it. And it's kind of like, well, how are you going to do that? I think, I think. Yeah, that, right. So, yeah, some of it is about the revolution. Bernie is openly revolution. Bernie is, yeah, openly revolution. And Warren is not. Hmm. But I think a big part of what's going on here is democratic strategy, right? So all the democratic strategists are sort of in two basic camps about what direction to go. Yeah. And, and this was also true in the past two elections, uh, 2016 and 2018. Um, but they're not, some, some Democrats are very, very convinced that they want to take back the states that Trump got, the Rust Belt states that were part of the blue wall, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Like they were part of the blue wall because these blue collar white people. And they had been in the Democrats for a long time. And when Obama was really liberal, a lot of these people didn't like the results that they were seeing. Right. Um, from how the recovery was all focused on cities. And so um, other Democrats are saying that we should focus on the new republic, the new Republican converts, the ones, the women in suburbia mm-hmm. who care about health care and college costs. Right, yeah. And they see the Republicans fighting them on that. And they're college educated. They're able to see through the bullshit and tell that, um, you know, the Republicans did not have a health care plan. Yeah, yeah. Right? No. And they know that, and they are right picking for the Democrats. But you have to think in terms of the electoral map, because what states are they right picking in, right? Could they do it in North Carolina, or is the gerrymandering too big of a deal and the voter suppression, right, that how comes big, with how big gerrymandering. Is gerrymandering? I don't know how big it is. North Carolina is very known for it. Thomas Hofeller, the guy that's famous for this, was... Um, uh, a consultant for North Carolina, Republicans helping oh. them gerrymander things, and so those d- those leaked documents that are so amazing that, that you know that anyone interested in this should go look up uh, the Hofeller documents um, that that were dumped. Um, there's so much in there of all the crooked shit they were doing, um, but basically the gerrymandering happens in a lot of places, and so even Texas, like. It's not even so much about gerrymandering in Texas. There are some big cities in Texas that are very liberal. Hmm. Um, but there's also a lot of other people in Texas. Got to go to Austin, South by Southwest. <laughs> well, and so from an electoral map fuck point you, of man. view. <laughs> I'm like actually tapped into this right now. This is interesting. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. I'm just plugging a good show. A All good right, time. whatever. Oh, <laughs> a show, okay. Um, so the electoral map means that there's the Sunbelt states that have been gaining um, population, and there's the states in the South that have cities, such as Georgia and North Carolina. Um, and so, and also, I guess to some degree, Missouri, but they, their city is split in half, so it kind of has a lot less influence over there. Right, yeah. Um, but the, um, 
the other Democratic strategy camp that, that wants to abandon the Rust Belt voters and leave, you know, those states to Trump, they want to move into Arizona and North Carolina and so forth by attracting suburbanites. Right. Mm. And particularly suburban women. Um, and so, as you can imagine, that's sort of Warren's camp, is like mm. the suburban women camp, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Bernie is in, as a socialist, is in the, no, let's go after the blue-collar white people camp. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Right? And so whatever they had said to each other was about this democratic str- strategical debate that's going on, and it's been going on for two elections now. Yeah, no, last election, same thing. And the same exactly, guy. exactly. <laughs> Just and different so, women. well, in 2016 and 2018, this debate was going on, and the, yeah. the, the Democrats' wins in the House were largely because of the Republican converts in the, in the suburbs. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and so whatever they were talking about had to do with this strategy problem, right? What states do you put your resources in? And this is something that... It, um, like you can just game theory like there's this problem like you have finite resources where do you use them where are they most likely to let you win um and it's the other thing that i hate about this latest blow-up story with warren and sanders mm. yeah the debate story is that it's entirely manufactured oh 100 mm-hmm. percent. you mean like when cnn started that whole question exactly yeah I know, it I was know. manufactured by cnn on purpose to have this specific effect yeah Ugh. and the effect is the pro-corporate bias that cnn has been bringing to this the whole time I know, I know. and i can't imagine why the democrats are allowing cnn to be involved in any of these debates fox because news would give them a more fair hearing and would be less likely to be starting fires like this amen, than brother. CNN. And I just amen. can't believe that the Democrats even associate with CNN at this point. Well, well, they I need to be written off as corporate shills. Isn't this an insane thing, like having lived through the Bush era, to be like, yeah, Fox is actually the better news. Like, it's like... Well, well, yeah. Also, I will well, say... there's only I'll, a few people at Fox, but they're ensconced. And the, <laughs> for a very long time, the, uh, the uh, organization was split between the print and... On and t- television, because in a way you can say a lot more stuff on television. A lot less of it is recorded. It's a lot easier, harder to get your hands on it. The print yeah. stuff, you have to be a lot more careful what you say in print. Right. And so there's this major divide in Fox News between the editorial, the editorial side with the TV and the the print news that was online. Yeah. Um, and so like that divide helps ho- helps Fox News um, have like a basis so here, for doing something that CNN has yeah. never pretended to do. So, so the thing I wanted to say about CNN and, uh, is that, yeah, when they did what they did with that recent debate really fucking sucks. And I, I really, I mean, it made me feel less about them than I already did. Every time but they've they, messed up the debates and made them more substance free. They did one. I'll, I'll defend them one way. They did the first climate debate. That was, uh, didn't like only but it, one that was a gimmick. Show. That was a gimmick to get them on TV because the, the 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 DNC had declared that you can't have debates that aren't sponsored by the DNC. That if you're a Democratic candidate running, that we're going to give you some kind of major disadvantages if you're willing to participate in any debates that aren't the ones that we sanction. And sure, the point they, of that was to avoid platforming the wrong people. The point of that was for the committee rules to be the only ones that mattered for the debate. And CNN didn't like that. CNN wanted more face time with the candidates, and so they invented this fake forum mm. that was not really an, a debate, 
right? It was structured to legally not fit the definition of a debate by the DNC rules. Sure. But yeah. it was like big media event that they would get a bunch of FaceTime for. And they weren't really giving climate change like a platform that it hasn't already been given. Right. They were just doing a, a publicity stunt for themselves. So, so here's my question for you then, Nate. Who's he going to be? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I think it has to play out. Um, no, no, no. I, I don't. I don't mean like who you think is going to win, but like let's say uh, I don't know if you do vote in the primaries, but let's say you do. Um, you know, it probably won't matter by the time I do. Yeah, sadly. And All if right. I, and if it does, like I'll be a little surprised, and I'll try to make the best of it. Okay. Uh, if do you, you not, do you not have a decision right now? Is that why you're avoiding the question? I <laughs> I don't know if it matters. Yeah, like I yeah, really I don't like Biden, but a big part of why I don't like Biden is that it's a hundred percent true that if you nominate weak sauce, you'll lose. It's every time it's happened. It happened with um. It it happened well most uh, obviously with John Kerry. Okay. Right. George W. Bush came into office, and people forgotten how bad he was, but he was extremely authoritarian while he was in office. Yeah, of yeah. Course, yeah. He embodied this Trump thing a lot while I, he was I in office. I would argue that Bush is worse in a lot of ways. I agree, and particularly with Cheney. And so yeah. um, when, when that was up for referendum, the Democrats were like, oh, my God, I don't care who we get, but they better be able to beat Bush. Yeah. yeah. And Kerry. you end up with John Kerry, and he can't beat Bush because John Kerry doesn't stand for anything. Yeah. No, it's true. it's true. And that's why he was able to get the nomination. And then so what happens? Like, then you have uh, John Car- or, uh, John McCain. Yeah. Right? And John McCain, again, he's weak sauce. As far as a Republican goes, he doesn't stand for anything. He just stands for, like, you know, being an upright citizen. So, right. you, so by that logic, you think Bernie will actually win? Uh, well, I think that all the candidates that aren't uh, Biden or Booty have a <laughs> chance at it. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, or, uh, or Gabbard. Uh, she's... she's Gabbard's a little, out, unfortunately, she's, she's I, a little out there. I love Gabbard, but I don't think she stands a chance. And even if she did, I don't think she has the uh, like. Let's say she somehow, by some weird happenstance, like say everybody drops dead, right, and she gets elected <laughs> president. Like I don't think that would necessarily be a good thing because she's going to be so untapped into the entire structure that like like she doesn't have a she doesn't have a team day one. She doesn't have you know. Yeah, well, I guess the same problem you could have with like Gary Johnson or whoever. You oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I, I think with, I think Trump proved that like even in the worst of circumstances, like <laughs> you'll be swarmed with people who want some power. Yeah, yeah, that is true. But I, I think that actually, ironically enough, Trump is one of the better people to deal with that situation because he's used to dealing with that situation um, in terms of like just stepping into a place and then trying to find like the best of the people there to like help you the irony of this is that the only people Best. who will yeah yeah i know i know the irony of this is the only people that will actually work with trump are like basically criminals well and like, his function <laughs> for best is really kind of perverse also oh for sure 100 percent. i'm just saying that i think like he, that, i think he really does buy into the authoritarian thing in a way that it, it mm. bush george w bush's post-presidential life sort of has revealed that he was more no. embodying it than deeply believing it. Yeah. He was embodying it for profit. For profit, but also he was giving a lot of leeway for Cheney and such to like... Well, uh, well, well I think this is the fucked upness Cheney of it. Cheney was the technocrat. I think this is the fucked upness of it is I think Bush genuinely believed in everything he was doing. Like, I think he... like. Uh, uh, well, <laughs> a little bit of not a, everything. I mean, Karl Rove, but he uh, took yeah. these he took these chances and he he sort of did what Rove wanted him to. Like, 
a lot, but he did think of himself as the decider, and I think that's probably true. He right. probably he had said more God sway spoke than anyone to him else. And shit like that, and um, yeah, you know, but I, he always said it with this kind of look at his face that he's trying to get through the whole I, teleprompter without saying a word wrong. I, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I think, you know I mean? think that ultimately Bush thought he was somehow doing what was good for the United States, whereas I think Donald Trump very honestly is doing what's good for Donald Trump. I, I'm willing to agree that distinction. But the point I was making is that, like, even Mitt Romney, mm. Mitt Romney is a great example of mild sauce, mm-hmm, right? Again, mm-hmm. he was the corporate guy mm-hmm. that, like, you know, supposedly had a blameless record. And a big problem for Romney was, as, as, uh, as Greg said, people from the South um, don't like Mormons um, <clears throat> on average. Especially not Massachusettsans. Uh, well, no, he wasn't fully Massachusetts oriented. He was very influential in the Utah side mm. of his the Boston, church. His Boston accent was so strong. Did you, well, remember? <laughs> <laughs> Did you remember that, that Romney accent? No, go, sorry, go on. Uh, well, so Mitt Romney is a perfect example of mild sauce. Mm. And when he was nominated, even Republicans who are really well known for voting for anyone with an R, no matter how unencouraging they are, um, Republicans were just really kind of like yeah, depressed vote depressed about about Mitt Romney but then when he went on the debate and he said the thing about um uh, said the thing about uh, Sesame Street how like Sesame Street is really amazing and cute but like if we are going to save our federal government we need to sacrifice Big Bird uh, yeah. right remember that I yes remember that. I remember that yeah and, echoed, um, echoed with this president. It's like that's the one thing that you shouldn't talk about cutting because it's so stupid. And the funny, yeah, exactly. And so the funny thing about the story is that like uh, the next rally Mitt Romney was going to, like he flies in, he's sitting in his like SUV, like limo, whatever, yeah. you know, and he's sitting in traffic, and he's like, "Why is there all this traffic?" It's a very Joe Parra kind of statement you just made right there. Sorry. Well, yeah. <laughs> I forget where I heard this, but I'm probably embodying it somehow. And so he, uh, he's mystified. He's worried he's going to be late at this point. Like, where are all these people going? Yeah. And it turns out they're all going to his rally. Jesus. Because he resonated when he said the Big Bird thing. And That's the terrible. Republicans were suddenly interested in him for a minute. And he wasn't able to make much of that. Hmm. Right? But what usually happens in these... and um, I'll, here I can plug my other uh, website that I like is electoralvote.com. These cynical guys that are almost as cynical as I am about politics. Um, and they do vote tracking and you can see graphs of this. So if you go there, you can click on graphs and you can watch this happen in the past of the polls. Um, every president until Trump, uh, the loser had a surge. Yeah. Uh, McCain had a surge. Um Kerry uh, uh, had a surge, and what happens is the polls move in a direction of against the grain because people who go to parties don't want to say the same thing that somebody said last week. And so when it becomes clear that there's a front runner, everyone starts talking about why they might not want the front runner and why they're sort of going against the grain. And people start talking about reasons they might not want the front runner, and people end up evaluating it, and the, and the polls flip like a month or two out. A month or two out from the election? From the election. Yeah, gotcha. And so you don't want to be uh, too far ahead too soon. Well, 
there's a lot of strategy like that, and I don't follow too much of it, but there's true. A lot of the real political people care about that. Um, but what, what usually happens is once people learn that the polls have changed, yeah, then the front runner isn't the front runner anymore, and the underdog isn't the underdog anymore, and so that rooting for everything. the underdog stops being a thing. Right. And so then you find out whether there was anything to it or not. Right. And effectively, there hasn't been in any of the elections that the data goes back to. And I've been following this thing since the Bush years, so this data goes back a long ways. Mm. Um, but if you look at those graphs, Trump is the only one that didn't have that. That's interesting. Interesting, really. Wow. Trump came to 49%. And he stayed at 49%. 49%, 49%. He couldn't get above 50. Interesting. And it was because people weren't willing to say at the party, hey, you know, what if we voted for Trump? Yeah. <laughs> Pay attention to me all night. Now I'm going to talk about Trump. Yeah. Right? And that didn't work Yeah. for people. And so the edgelords that wanted to try it weren't able to try it successfully. <laughs> they didn't get laid that night. Um <laughs> And so Trump's support never went above 50, and he never had that bump. And that massively contributed to his win because so many people in the swing states didn't think he was going to win. There, yeah, there was a lot of that. Like, not And there were so many win. people that didn't want to give Hillary a mandate. I was one of them. I didn't want to give Hillary yeah, a mandate. Yeah. I've never voted for Hillary. I've also never voted for Nancy Pelosi, <sighs> and I lived you. in San Francisco for five years. Oh, wow. I voted against her in every primary and in every election because she's too establishment. Um, although I guess she's done relatively well given the circumstances she's in I this re- past time. Yeah, know. yeah. It's amazing that she's gotten so much done. <laughs> mm. Well, it's, it's amazing that she hasn't made any massive mistakes. Fair, yeah. That's what's amazing. Not much has got done. Yeah. But she hasn't really fucked it up. As long as you don't get anything yeah, that's done, more you can't fuck anything up too yeah. much, right? That's a, that's a fair assessment. And it's a hard thing to not fuck up. Yeah. Um, all right, so if you could pick who's going to be the president. <laughs> <laughs> it has to play out, man. I like, that, that hump has to happen. You have to wait until six weeks before the election. No, 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 no predictions, stats. no predictions. Yeah. You are the dictator, and you get to say who. Who is it? Who becomes the president. You can pick yourself. I don't know if that's even a fair question for me because until I, I haven't tried to pick yet because until now, like my, my rationale for like, if I want to give money to somebody or something is, are they saying things in the media that I like? Yeah. And that's my measure that I use, um, is, you know, what are they saying in the media and what, how much of that are things I like? Um, right now, Bernie is definitely winning that competition, but the competition right now doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. And so, like, I don't know where we're going to end up. I so loved you, you Warren just, last time. Yeah. Right. I really loved Warren last time because I loved that, like, we're going to elect a woman energy, and I loved all sure. that other stuff. But Hillary is too establishment. Sure. And she's seen as being corrupt, whether you think that's warranted or not, and I suspect it is, but I don't know. Sure. So you're so you're going with, you're going with uh, Warren. I don't know if I'm going with Warren. All right, good. You passed our test. And I don't. <laughs> you, you have you have denied. You can all, stay on the podcast. Yeah. All I really know is that I'm not willing to go. I'm not willing to say I wish it were Biden. Yeah. Or Buttigieg. Yeah. They're trying to be the wrong thing. Yeah. 
They're yeah. trying to be mild sauce, and I am not interested in mild sauce. None of this wild, s- so mild I would, sauce. So I would take Gabbard wild, above either sauce. of them. Yeah. Because she's at least she's not mild sauce. Yeah, yeah, she's got balls. I, uh, I do like her. So I really think appreciate you for, uh, you know, we, we, you. we were like the devil uh, disguised. We're trying to tempt you. We tempted you seven times. <laughs> we were you denied trying them all times to said, I need to. You. Yeah, I need to figure it out. I can't decide. Yeah. Well, I, I don't even that. try to decide things like that yet. Yeah, it's I know, just way too early. It, it's no, rare to point. hear someone's opinion who kind of knows what they're talking about, who isn't so tapped in online that they're brainwashed by one particular <laughs> viewpoint. <laughs> That's so true. I'm barely online. It's very like it's incredibly refreshing to like hear an actual person, like someone actually having an opinion. <laughs> yeah. Like, like yeah. yeah. It's not just like yeah, like uh, you know, uh, Amy Therese said this, so like um, this is what I believe now. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I don't know if you're adding me or you or both. I'm adding myself. Yeah. I add myself all day. Anyway, so James has to go. You know what? Go at yourself. Go um, at yourself. Yeah. No, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm efficiently, uh, I'm sauced. I'm done. I'm boss. I got no more juice left. I actually have to get going soon too. So Alex has got to get up. going. Yep. I got, um, is this the first white claw you just the one with the martini? Yeah, but I, I mean, I had a whole martini. It's uh, two big drinks. Two big. I'm drinks. a, I'm a weenie. I'm a little weenie. Look at me. <laughs> I'm a tiny little weenie. Well, I'm barely into my third, but like, yeah, yeah, they're beers yeah, at least. They're beers. Yeah, come on, with you. It's also beers. Like really hot in here. Is it just me? Uh, I can, I can, I'll figure that out. Nah, it's either okay. my, my, my heater has, you know, it's either we're cold or we're hot. There's no. Dude, it can't be as bad as steam. Yeah, you're right. Hey, man, as long as I get to be warm, you know? Um, we probably are out of time for me to discuss steam, but at some point, uh, <laughs> I, I know a lot about steam heat now because I, I, I run the building steam system that I live in now. Uh, All right. Oh, nice. Uh, I know how I'm going to play this out now. Then we just got, we got the boom, boom, steam heat. We got the boom, <laughs> boom, 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 steam heat. <laughs>